Yes, I'm very glad to be here, not for the circumstances, but for the redemption that even in the midst of tragedy and horrible things happening, that God can make good things, right? Do you believe that this morning? If we don't, we'll be tossed around and our foundation will be judged every single time something happens. But what do we build our foundation on? Love. It says, if we're rooted and grounded in love, and then we won't be tossed around. We'll have that anchor for our soul, that hope in him. So this morning as I'm here, my husband is back in New Bern, North Carolina. We just moved there a month ago. Crazy. And they told us hurricanes rarely happen. It's fine. You're about 35 miles from the coast. No worries. And here... (laughs) A month after we start, this hurricane comes through that uh, caused unprecedented damage. There are um, lines in people's houses of previous hurricanes that had caused some flooding, and this one has just gone above and beyond that. Um, Right now, there's about 4,200 homes that were flooded, so all of those families are displaced. Some can do some demolition rebuild some, their home is, it's irreparable. They can't do anything. And um, all the schools are closed because um, some of the schools are being used as shelters. It's a state of emergency still. And um, my, I have two daughters and we just knew we were supposed to leave. We'd never experienced anything like this. So I wanted to make sure we weren't leaving out of fear or just not you know, staying there out of, like, determination, like, we're going to get through this. Um, we didn't know what to do. And I just um, quieted my heart, listened, and I just heard God say, just go. And it was a really good decision. So two weeks ago, we packed up, came and stayed with my parents. You wave your hands. Yay, Mom and Dad. <laughs> and um, we just drove. It's a thousand-mile trip. So tomorrow we're going to start back. And um, I think I found a road I can get through, but there are still 500 roads that are flooded in North Carolina. And this morning at our church, we had to do YouTube, which is not bad, but our worship team members couldn't make it to the church. So it's, it's, it's for real. <laughs> like, it's hard for me to picture it. I, obviously, when I get there, I will. Um, but we had a team come in from Florida and Alabama. They're camped out in our sanctuary, um, and they just brought equipment to demo houses and um, we're so grateful for that. And Operation Blessing from CBN came and brought up 30 pallets of food, um, flood cleaning kits, and all of that. So the body of Christ is reaching out and letting, when someone's down, you go down with them and lift them up, right? You lift them up, and that's what we've seen with the body of Christ. So thank you so much for just carrying our church in your prayers and our region. Um, it's not an overnight fix. But we're so grateful that we serve the Lord and that we can shine his light in the darkness. So we just appreciate you praying for us and remembering us. Um, So just like Pastor Steve said, we've known um, the Abbots since 2005, I think, um, when Sam and Sydney were little kids and lived in their basement and slept next to their golden retriever who was out in the hallway, (laughs) the outside of our room. So we've lived life with the abbots, and it's been a joy. Isn't it a joy to have people that you can live life with through the midst of turmoil, through the midst of celebration, through all of that? It's so refreshing. As I've been with you this morning, I'm just feeling God's heart for you and his immense love for you. And I felt it last week as well, and I shared what I heard him saying. And this morning, I don't want to come in and just give you pat answers and just say, just pull yourself up by your bootstraps, you're going to be fine, because that's not God's voice. 
That's the voice of the enemy that says, you don't have a loving God, you're on your own. And that's not who our God is. Our God is exactly who we were singing about and who we were singing to this morning. That he's not up there with his arms folded saying, what are you going to do? He's saying, what can we do together? What can we do? We, we do together. That's his goodness. That's his kindness. And so this morning, it's weighing on my heart how to communicate the Father's heart to you this morning. So I just want to pray. And I have some notes. I even made a PowerPoint. Pretty, like, polished for me to do that. I made a PowerPoint. (laughs) But if we don't get to the PowerPoint, who cares? Let's hear God's heart this morning. Does that sound good? So, Father, we thank you for your kindness and your goodness and your love. And we choose to say that we are rooted. We are grounded in your love. Your love is not on trial today, God. (sighs) Yay, that feels so good. God, we thank you that we're not trying to prove your love. We're not trying to find your love. All we have to do is look at Jesus giving himself giving everything, his entire life, putting it on the line for us to know your love. So this morning, we just set aside any voice that's trying to tell us that your love is on trial, that your love has not been proven, that we're not sure of your love. Father, I pray that your voice would ring out louder than any other voice that's coming up. I command those voices to be silenced. Anything that's coming from the enemy, we choose to turn our ear to your voice, the voice of the Father. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, let's start with the PowerPoint and see how that goes. So this morning, if you want to go to the first slide there, this is the nice title of my message. Knowing the Father. Doesn't that sound nice and fun and inviting? And I put a like a, a fuzzy subtitle underneath it. The relational aspects of faith. Doesn't that sound good? Like, I want to know that, right? So that's, that is true. <laughs> that's what I felt like we were to look at today. But in reality, this, the second slide is really what we're looking at this morning. So if you want to go to that. Righteousness and justice. How to obey when God's voice is tested. Ooh, that's not as fuzzy and warm, right? (laughs) So let's go back to the first slide. Knowing the Father. Okay. Our goal in life is what Jesus gave himself for. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets where? To the Father. Did he say to heaven? No. Jesus made a way to the Father. The Father is our goal. Heaven is like a benefit. (laughs) Heaven is like, what? We get heaven too? Oh my goodness, you're so good. But our goal is actually the Father. Jesus gave himself so that we could find a way to the Father. Yay! That is so encouraging and so exciting. To know the Father is everything. Jesus even said eternal life is knowing the Father. Again, I feel like we've substituted an ethereal residence beyond this life as the ultimate Right? There's this ultimate goal of escape to heaven. It's true that that's a promise, but Jesus, if we just go back to Jesus, can we do that? Can we just go back to Jesus? What he said, eternal life is knowing the Father. And I came to make a way to the Father. He's always been the goal, he's always been the prize. So in this life where we know in part, 
We know the Father at some level, obviously, or you wouldn't be here, you wouldn't have a relationship with the Lord. If you have a relationship with the Lord, you have a measure of knowing the Father. But oh, to know him fully. Oh, to be in some renewed aspect of who we are so that we could fully know him. That's a promise we have that one day we'll be like him so we can know him as he is, right? That's so good. So right now we get a measure of that. And in that measure where we don't get the fullness is our life of faith. Faith. Someone throw out a definition of faith. What do you think faith is? Just call it out. What is it? Hebrews 11.1. 1. Can you quote it for people who don't have that memorized? <laughs> faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Okay, what else? Fully believing. Okay, what else? Believing there's a plan, even if you can't see it, right? Because there's like this hiddenness, that, but on the other side of that unknown, there's a plan. Yeah, what else? Yeah. Say it again. Forsaking all. Forsaking all, I trust in him. There you go. I love that. There's like this positional action or attitude to faith that there's something behind me but my eyes are fixed on the Father more than what's behind me, right? I love that. When we look at people in the scripture we see lives of faith and you can kind of see a summary in the chapter that you're referring to Hebrews 11 but what's very interesting about these people, they were real people. They're not just a myth that we get to look at and try and be inspired. These were real people just like you, just like me, trying to make it, trying to get through life with crazy people around us, crazy things happening, and trying not to lose our footing. Do you know what I'm talking about? I don't know some days how we make it through a life. How do we get through this life? And that's what the Bible shows us. Are people in the same situations, in the same questions, in the same unknown, that God reaches in and demonstrates his love to. So when we're looking at this life of faith, sometimes we can see in church, let's say, that what you sacrifice is what's valuable to the Lord. Like, oh, God, I gave up all these things for you. God, look at all these things that I'm not doing or that I'm not participating in. And I think that has merit. But if we look at what God wants and what he's looking for, that can help us to identify how We can live our life in a way that's pleasing to him. And this isn't to try and earn anything, okay? As I was praying, I felt that rising up. We're not trying to earn his love. Jesus did it. He already did it. He did what we couldn't do. There's no way that you or me could do anything to earn God's love. His love is perfect. I'm not perfect. I just asked my girls. (laughs) I'm not perfect. But Jesus, the perfect one, came, lived a life, without messing up, without taking his eyes off the Father, even when the Father closed himself off to Jesus for that moment of, the de- of death of, on the cross, Jesus' eyes were still looking at the Father. His last words, my Father, why have you forsaken me? He's looking at the Father and knew that he had faced his most brutal task. It wasn't the physical It was that looking at the Father and not seeing the Father. He finished that and said, it is finished, and gave up his spirit. In that moment, he did what we could never do. So when we're looking at actions and we're looking at how we live our life, it's not to earn his love. What it is is to bring pleasure to the one that we know. 
If you've ever been in a romantic relationship, in a loving relationship with someone, and it's healthy, you choose to do things that are loving, right? And you hope they choose loving things for you, right? (laughs) Otherwise, there's dysfunction. In a loving relationship, we want to know what the other person desires. So what does God desire? Let's look at, you can go to the next slide and the slide after that. There you go. To do righteousness and justice is more desired by the Lord than sacrifice. So this Bible that we have was not written in English. I don't know if you knew that or not. It wasn't written in English. In Hebrew, which is the original language of the Old Testament where Proverbs is, that word righteousness is referring to the attributes of God. He's the only right one. Compared to him, we're wrong, basically. So righteousness is of the attributes of God. Have you heard that phrase, clothed with righteousness? That's like, oh, we get to put on God. We get to have the attributes of God because we're in him. Isn't that beautiful? Oh, I love that. So righteousness Having the attributes of God is more pleasing to the Lord than saying, oh God, look at all the things I gave up for you. Oh man, I could have a good life if I wasn't following you, right? How would you feel like that if you were married and had a spouse who said that? Look at all the other girls that I left for you. Aren't I wonderful? I'd be like, ah, no, (laughs) actually you're not, right? So in the same way, God isn't looking for us to say, oh God, look at what my life could have. No, he wants us to be clothed in him, to be him, to be one with him. There's, um, when Paul wrote in Colossians and Galatians and Ephesians, there's this phrase, in him, that has scholars baffled. They've tried to translate it, and it's so challenging because does it mean positionally in him? Does it mean what he did, I do it through him? Or It's so confusing because it's not a natural thing. I can't be clothed in my husband. Like, it's impossible. This is something that goes beyond any physical relationship we can see. So what God wants is for us to defy the natural and be clothed in him. It's impossible. We can't do it without him. So when he says, what I desire is righteousness, he's saying, you have to do it with me. I'm not interested in you going on your own and showing me what you can do, what sacrifice you can do for me. I want to be doing it with you. Isn't that good? And the word for justice is the moral decisions of a ruling entity. It's like doing what the government has said is good and just. That's what doing justice is. And so from God's perspective, it's following through with what he says is good. So that means we have to know what he said, right? So for us to be clothed in him and to do what he says is more desirable to him than us going over here on our own, building our little life And saying, look, look at what I did. He wants to do it with us. Faith is relational. It's not about do's and don'ts. It's not about trying to make yourself feel better. I'll say that again. Faith is not about trying to make yourself feel better. It is about knowing him. There's another verse that came up as I was hearing this from the Lord. And that's Psalm 51, 17. So if you want to turn there, this is a passage that was written after one of God's favorite people we can see in Scripture, favored, says that David was a man after his own heart. And David got away with a lot of stuff, in my opinion. And one of those terrible mess-ups, murder, adultery, all those words that you would never think that God would receive someone that had walked in that, came up. And after David realized 
the weight of what he had done. This psalm, Psalm 51, was his response to the Lord. I'm not going to read the whole thing. This is how it starts. Verse 1, Be gracious to me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the greatness of your compassion. Blot out my transgressions. Now, in non-churchese, that means, Oh God, I mess up a lot. There is no way I deserve anything from you. Only because your loving kindness can I even begin to ask for cleansing. I have not earned it. And as he goes on and on, he's praying this prayer that's so beautiful and so deep. He recognizes that God's receiving it. He recognizes that he's not being backhanded, kicked out the door because of how messy his life is. And he look, look here in verse 17. Sorry, let's do 16. Verse 16, For you do not delight in sacrifice, otherwise I would give it. Now this is an extreme, because back then this was an element of worship was sacrifices. So he's not saying here, God doesn't want us to worship. No. What he's saying is, God's delight is not in, look at that, look at what they did for me. Instead, he says, you are not pleased with burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. How is that possible? How could God look at a broken heart and go, that brings me joy? What? What I see in looking at this and recognizing the verse that we looked at already is that the internal posture of our heart matters before the Lord. And if there is something that's weighing on our heart. He doesn't want us to shake it off and try and be presentable. He's looking at openness. And sometimes that openness comes because of brokenness. And it's a beautiful thing before the Lord. Now, in my life, personally, when I have been the most broken has been when I'm looking for something good that's okay to look for, and it hasn't happened. That disappointment is when my heart has been the most broken. A lot of you know my story. Um, My husband and I dealt with infertility for about three and a half years, and all I wanted to do was be a mom. And for the first year, I just kind of pushed it down and said, it's fine, it's no big deal. Other people don't have kids, it's fine. But I remember the day the dam broke in my heart and I was sobbing and sobbing and sobbing and sobbing because another month had gone by that we weren't pregnant. And I felt like the worst Christian. I was so embarrassed and felt so guilty that I would be sad because my life was relatively good. There were great things in my life. But this one thing, this one promise, I couldn't get away from. I went over it over and over in my head. God, is it okay for me to want to be a mom? And I always heard yes. But then when it wasn't happening, I questioned him. Because if I was okay, then he must be the one that's not okay. And so after the dam broke, my brokenness was too much. I could not bring that before the Lord. I thought, oh man, I am way too high maintenance for Jesus right now. (laughs) So I tried to manage myself. Have you ever tried to do that? Does it work? No. (laughs) My husband tried to not manage me. Like, okay, you can be broken. It's fine. Be broken. Like, be sad. It's It's okay. I'm here. I didn't really want his comfort because he couldn't comfort me. I didn't know it, but I let the enemy comfort me. I heard a voice, I didn't know it was his, and he said, oh, you poor thing. God is so mean, isn't he? Can you believe he's not giving you the one thing that your heart desires? And my heart said, yes, God is so mean. And I didn't even know it. I didn't realize it. 
And just for a few months, not a very long time, but long enough, I carried that. I'm a victim. God doesn't love me. Oh, my word. Can you believe God is not listening to me right now? And I started building up this case in my heart of why God was not good. And after I realized it, that I had been doing that, when I looked at it, I rejected it, and it was dismantled. I knew that God was good, but I didn't know why this good thing wasn't happening. And I finally, after about two years, maybe two and a half, it was about two years, I was working and I heard my heart say, God, I believe you're not a good father and that you're dangling this good thing in front of me to be a mom and every month you lift it out of my reach. It's like I, it's Christmas and I open the present and it's an empty box. And once I realized that, I started bawling at work, and I knew that that wasn't true. And in that moment, I chose to look at what was not happening. Because before then, I would avoid it. I would just, like, not want to look at it. I would try to make cookies (laughs) and forget about it. And in that moment, I said, all right, I'm looking at it. I want to be a mom. I'm not going to change that. But this time, I'm looking at you and that at the same time. So God, I don't know why this isn't happening, but I know you're good, and I'm going to keep looking at you. And for me, that was an upswing. That was the part of my story in that time of my life where I was making progress in knowing the Father. And a year and a half after that, when we finally got pregnant with our oldest, Zoe, she'll be 10 in November. Crazy. Yay, you can clap. It's so exciting. (laughs) When I received that, the reward or that fulfillment of that promise, it was in a place of, wow, God, I know you so much better now, and thank you for confirming your goodness to me. But I will say, in the middle of that, the thing that I didn't know was okay was to bring my brokenness to the Lord. When you look at Psalm fifty-one seventeen, it says, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Oh, God, you will not despise. He wants to look at it. He doesn't want you to say, oh, you can look at everything else. Just don't look at my broken heart. Don't look at my grieving. Don't look at why, at the questions I have no answers to. I want to be cleaned up and proper and have everything together to come before you. Like, we think that that's what he wants to see. That's religion. Okay? If you hear a voice that says, oh, you're kind of messy, you probably should go clean yourself up. No, we can't do it. It's impossible. Our messes are so big, only Jesus can clean up our messes. Amen? So, if you hear a voice that says, you should probably avoid eye contact with the Father right now, Tell it to go in Jesus' name. You have every right to do that. Every voice that we hear, every thought that comes up in our heart is not from us or from the Father. The enemy wants us to break eye contact with the Father. That's his goal. Because if we can keep our eyes on the Father, we're going to know him more. And what did Jesus say knowing the Father is? Eternal life. We will experience what the enemy can never experience. He chose to rebel and run from the Father in such a drastic way that he can never make eye contact with the Father again. But we get to. It's worth it. Yay. So, in the midst of grieving, there is comfort if we can hold on to the voice of the Lord. And that's what I want to show you in the next slide here. If you want to go to that where it says, yeah, after this, I think that's the end. Yes. Okay. So first of all is hearing. When we are walking through this life, we can hear from God. Isn't that amazing? We don't have to. We could just say, all right, I have the Bible. It's legit. 
I'm just going to hold on to this, and hopefully I make it through with the scales balanced in my favor. There's a lot of unknown in that. Jesus came so we don't have to have unknown. Jesus came so that we can hear the voice of God. It used to be reserved for the prophets. It used to be reserved for the elite and the highly favored. But Jesus came to release Holy Spirit so that we could all hear his voice. So step one is hearing. And it says in Amos 3, 7, that he reveals his secrets to his prophets which was the Old Testament. So now we all get to prophesy. We all get to hear from God. And Jesus showed us just a relational revelation that he is the good shepherd and his sheep know his voice. It's just normal relationship. It's not abnormal, earth-shattering to hear God's voice. It may feel like it the first time or times after that, but it's actually normal to hear God's voice. We don't have time to go into the details of that. If you want to know more, there's a really good book that my husband and I wrote about how to hear God's voice, and we do it with 21 days, asking God's questions and learning about what's okay for us as sons and daughters of the Lord. Step two is testing. What? For real? Yes. I'm going to show you just a couple of people in the Bible. Let's start with Abraham. Abraham heard God say, I'm making covenant with you. Through you, the whole earth will be blessed. He was one man with a wife, but no children. And God was saying, your descendants will be more numerous than the stars in the sky, sand in the sea. I bet he got up from that vision encounter with God, and he was like, what? Can you believe it? I'm going to have all these descendants. I'm the man. And then instantly probably thought that his wife would get pregnant. I mean, that's logical. But year after year after year after year, decade after decade, it didn't happen. Even when he finally saw his son of promise, Isaac, held him in his arms, there was more testing What did Jesus, not Jesus, what did God, Jehovah, say to Abraham? Sacrifice this son. Listen to my voice. Do what I say. So that's the step three, obedience. Abraham had a choice. He could have said, what? No. The promise has been fulfilled. But if we look back at what the voice of God said, he didn't say, I'm giving you one son. He said, your descendants will be numerous. I will bless the whole earth. God's promise to us is not just for our own personal fulfillment. He's actually looking at people through us to bless. That's actually the fulfillment of what God speaks. So in that testing where he says those he loves, he disciplines or he brings them into this place of what are we made out of here? That choice of obedience is out of love. John 14, 15, Jesus said, If you love me, do my commands. That doesn't feel fuzzy and soft and warm and like cuddly, does it? But again, if we are in relationship, we want to do a loving thing for the one we love, right? So this is what Abraham does. If you look at it, I'm not going to turn to it right now, but after Abraham followed through with every step, had his knife poised to kill his son, which is so brutal. It's so horrible. The angel of the Lord appears and says, stop. And God says, now I know that you are for me. And after that, he was not tested again. And then Abraham's life became a life of blessing for many. So the actual fulfillment, the reward for Abraham was not something he experienced in his own life. It was something that went after him. And for me, this is simple, but it's kind of like baking a cake. If you get a recipe that you want to follow, and you find it and you're like, yes, I know I'm going to make this. Have you seen the fulfillment of baking the cake? No. 
So Abraham hearing from God must have been amazing. It must have been crazy. But was that the fulfillment of his walk of faith with God? No. What if you take your recipe and you put all the ingredients together and you make the batter? Are you done? No. So just because Abraham was tested, was that enough? That question from God, will you sacrifice your son? Had he fulfilled what God had for him? No. In the same way, I know this is silly, but it helped me this week to understand why does this work? Because if we have a batter and we say, I bake a cake, that's wrong. We don't have a cake, we have the batter. Then when you select the pan, pour it in, put it in the oven, are you done? Do you have a cake? No, the oven has to be on. There has to be heat. There has to be the right circumstances. And then you can open that oven door, pull out a cake, cool it down, put it on display. And you can look at it and say, wow, I made a cake. But how much more if you slice it up and serve it to people around, right? In the same way, what the Lord speaks to us is not just for our benefit. It's not just for me to go, now I know God loves me because he spoke to me and now I'm going through testing. Yes, he loves me. I'm set. No, there's that step of obedience and then there's the fulfillment. The fulfillment is so sweet. It's amazing. Now, as we're looking at these steps, I want you to know that even Jesus went through this as well. Jesus heard from the Father why he was alive, why he was there. We can quote it, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he sent his only Son into the world, right? And then verse 17, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn, but that through him the whole world would be saved. So Jesus' whole life was to save the world. Was it fulfilled when he was born? No. But how crazy would that be if you were Mary? Oh, my word. You're not pregnant, and then you're pregnant. And it's God in there. (laughs) Like, that could be in the epitome of her life, right? Jesus being born. But it wasn't enough. Then we see that he was tested. There were a few times that he was tested. Jesus was tested in the wilderness. Does any of you know who led Jesus into the wilderness? The Spirit. What? God? Yes. This is the normal part of hearing God's voice. Even Jesus went through testing. If you're in testing, you're in good company. I promise. But just because you're in testing doesn't mean you've arrived and you're done. Like, oh, now I'm a saint because I'm being tested just like Jesus was tested. No. Jesus had to stay faithful, keep his eyes on the Father, even through testing. Everything that he brought up to the enemy's voice was from relationship with the Father. And through that, even coming up to the cross in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was tested by choosing to not do it. He could have walked away. He had the the right that all of us do to walk away. He did. But he kept his eyes on the Father and in brokenness said, this is too much for me to bear. I am grieved even to the point of death. That's Jesus, the one who never messed up. Because his eyes were on the Father and he was saying to the Father, this is so hard. Can we not do this? He even asked for an out. But he heard from the Father, this is my will. And why do you think that was his will? Because he wanted to punish the son? It does say that he delighted to do that, but it wasn't because he was masochist or whatever, looking at the son. He was looking at us through Jesus. We, having relationship with the Father, is the fulfillment of Jesus being tested, walking in obedience, His reward is us. Yay! I think he's glad he did it. I think he's looking back on it and going, Woo, I'm so glad I stayed faithful 
and kept my eyes on the Father. So today, what I want to invite us into is how to walk through each of these steps in a way that we can get to the fulfillment and be a blessing to more people. Um, Earlier today, I had a dream. And in the dream, there was a baby and some stuff. I'm not going to go into it, but babies usually mean new things. And in the middle of it, someone was doing intercession, which means they were carrying something in prayer to the Lord for someone else. And it's so biblical. It's so healthy to do that. And she was saying, it was like Stephanie Gretzinger, someone, the singer from Bethel, in my dream. And she was saying, the, prov- the, let me see, the promise giver is the provider. The promise giver is the provider. And what I see in each of these steps is an invitation to know the Father more. Because the promise giver, the one who speaks and says, this is something good for you. Was it good for Jesus to save the whole world? Yes. Was it good for Abraham to be a way that God could bless the whole earth? Yes. That was the promise giver. That invitation to know the good Father and to be a blessing was an invitation into relationship. It's not into this, okay, Here's your task for your life. Why don't you work on that? And then I'll check in with you when you die. Right? That's not biblical. Abraham's task was not to get his wife pregnant. Sorry if that's crass, but they're mostly adults in the room. Okay? Abraham's task was to know the Father so that through him the whole world could be blessed. So when we hear a promise from God... We are tasked with keeping our eyes on the Father. And in that, we get to know him more through the promise. It's a beautiful thing. In the second step here of being tested, what do you think is the most important thing? Keeping your eyes on the Father. Spoiler alert, it's the key for each of these steps. But when we're tested, keeping our eyes on the Father and his voice is a place where we get to present our heart to the Lord just as it is. Just as Jesus. Did Jesus take a step out of the garden and shake himself off and walk in all of his holiness before the Father and bow and say, here is your servant, I am willing to do it? No. He threw himself on the ground, cried so hard that blood came out of his forehead because he was so burdened by what he was about to do. That's how he presented himself to the Father. I don't think we can do better than that. When you're tested, we get to face reality while looking at him. And this is a part I feel like some of us miss in the church, or in just wanting to be positive, we don't want to call it like it is. That's how I live part of my fertility journey. It's fine. It's okay. It's no big deal. Other people don't get pregnant. It's fine. No, it's horrible. If you want to be a mom, hold that before the Lord and say, I want to be a mom. I'm looking at you. I'm not going to take my eyes off of you, but you've promised this to me, and it's not an evil thing. I've let you refine it so many times, it's still there. I'm going to hold it before you. And that's super hard. How many of you have tried to do that before the Lord? It's really hard. God, I had this dream. God, this child of mine is not serving you right now. God, I am sick and I don't know why, but I'm going to look at you anyway. That right there is beautiful. That is the broken and contrite heart that God wants. He desires That's what pleases him. He's like, yay, I'm so glad because now you get to know me more. If you don't face reality, I don't know what kind of a God we're looking at. Honestly, if we don't have our life visible to the Lord, I don't know what kind of a God we're serving. Sorry. Okay, (laughs) step three, obedience. 
What's the most important thing? Keep your eyes on the Father. Obedience. If we are trying to do things to be good, it's going to fail every time. He is good. He's the goodness that we get to live. So obedience right there is walking in faith, doing what he says. I'm not going to read it right now, but Ephesians 5 has excellent description of what it means to be an imitator of God or how to be a model of God, how to walk in his godliness, righteousness. And this relates to what we saw at the beginning, which is it pleases God more when we demonstrate godliness and justice than when we merely offer him a sacrifice. All right, last step, fulfillment. What's the most important thing when we're fulfilled? Keeping your eyes on the Father. Just like when we see someone that's been struggling, 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 and then they come into some amount of wealth, whether it's their own personal work that brought it, or whether they were just luckily found a way to make a bunch of money, if they think it's just about them, it gets squandered, right? But if they realize that that elevation is to bless more people, then they continue to get blessed. Our fulfillment is not for us. Right? It feels like it sometimes, though. But if I was looking to be a mom so I could be fulfilled, how fun do you think it would be to wake up in the middle of the night and change a dirty diaper? I don't feel very fulfilled right now. Right? My goal in being a mom had to be refined so that I knew I was asking for a life of sacrifice. I was asking for a life of selflessness. I was not asking for a doll to dress up and show off. Can I get an amen from any mother in the room? (laughs) Because that goes out the window pretty fast. Reality hits really fast with a newborn. My goal was not to have a child. My goal was to be a blessing to a specific life. And that fulfillment to have Zoe in our home was not for me. It was for her and for whoever else she's going to bless. Doesn't that feel right? So as we're looking at what God has spoken, fulfillment must be for other people to be blessed. Do we get to be blessed along the way? Yes, thank you, Jesus. I have a fun daughter, and we get to have fun together. I love that. We get to be blessed along the way. But the fulfillment is actually for multiple people to receive the goodness of God. And if we can keep our eyes on him and see that as the fulfillment and realize that in the midst of looking for that fulfillment, he is the provider. Some of us are looking at the fulfillment to be our provision as well. Like, oh, when I get successful, or oh, when this career takes off, or oh, when I finally get to that place that I'm looking for, then fill in the blank. We miss the point that he is the provider. He is our provision. He's the prize. He's what we're going after. Fulfillment of his word is not for our own provision. Hallelujah. Because we can know him as provider in the midst of that. So what I have for you in this um, last slide up here is questions. If you want to go to there. Last slide, I think. Yes. Okay. This is a fun part. I'm smiling because I know it's not really fun. But it can be. This is the part where we have an invitation to allow the voice of the Lord to speak if there's any area where we've been ignoring him or we've been hiding something from him. I did it this morning as we were driving here because even though 10 years ago I received a fulfillment of one promise, my word, he doesn't stop giving promises. There's no end to the goodness of God. So I've gotten more promises. And I hope that we all get to go through those seasons of fulfillment after fulfillment after fulfillment. Glory to glory, right? That's a good thing, even in the midst of testing and obedience. Fun stuff. And so what I heard, or what I, what I did was I asked these questions to the Lord. And I just waited and 
listen to what was coming up to the top first. And that's one of the ways that we hear God's voice is just looking at him and asking him a question. Because did you know he knows everything? He really does. Do we believe that? Okay, so we better follow up on what we believe and do that. Okay, so I asked him, God, what have you spoken to me? And he reminded me of something he showed me earlier this year in the spring. He called me. I'm going to share it with you, but I'm being really vulnerable to share this with you. So no laughing. (laughs) I will, but you don't have to. I am a singing prophetic theologian. You didn't laugh. Good job. So when I heard that from the Lord, it shocked me because I'd never put all those things together ever. I love to sing, and he's used me in the prophetic. And all of a sudden, I got this bug to know more about the Bible and know more about who he is so I can communicate it in effective ways, which would be kind of like a theologian. But when I heard him say that, I was like, who are you talking to? Me? Really? And sometimes when he speaks to us, other people have to affirm it, right? Sometimes we're like, not me, seriously? And you can see that through scripture as well. So this is what he reminded me, that I'm a singing prophetic theologian. Then I asked him, how has that been tested? Many people in college, when I was studying music, said I don't have a good voice. And I believed them. I didn't know better. I just assumed they knew what they were talking about. And so because of that, I would sing, but I didn't feel like I could sing. I just was like, well, it's something I like to do, so I'm just going to do it. And he showed me two years ago that I'd believe that lie, and it's been a process of rebuilding my reception to me being a singer since then. So that was when it was tested. About being prophetic, I just didn't grow up knowing you could prophesy. I thought that was for the Bible. So it was just not a normal thing for how I grew up. And being a theologian, I went through some things physically where I couldn't put thoughts together very easily. And if you've ever been through that, it's kind of scary when you're like, I can't think of the word. And it's more than just like, oh, what's the name of that actor? But it's like, there's nothing. And I just felt like I was incapable of presenting something in a coherent way. It's been tested. And then I asked him, how are you asking me to obey? If he's saying I'm a singing prophetic theologian, where am I supposed to obey? And he showed me that I need to give time to honing my singing skills. I'm just showing you how they do this practically, okay? And he told me to prophesy and speak into situations with one hand on his heart and one hand on the heart of the one in front of me. And when he said that, I thought, I could do that. Like, obedience isn't always this challenging, difficult thing. Sometimes it's super simple, really practical. But if I don't value his voice, I'm not going to do that. So he showed that to me, and then he said that I need to continue taking classes for my Master of Divinity degree. So I'm halfway through, and it's really hard. I'm registered in October, and he's saying, yes, keep doing that. And I will. Even though it's hard, I'll keep doing it. And then I asked him, what's the reward or fulfillment of what he has spoken? He didn't say, you're going to be a traveling music worship leader, and people are going to run to your worship sessions, and he didn't say, you're going to write a book that's going to make you famous. What he said was, you're going to bring reform to the church. Woo, I want to do that. I want the church to be the beautiful, glorious bride that Jesus gave himself for. And if I can say yes to being a singing prophetic theologian, that's the fulfillment. Yay! I can go for that. And then I said, who do you want to reveal yourself as? Did you know we don't see all of God at one time? I know it's like super simple, but for real, we don't see God fully. So in different situations, in different times, we get to see another aspect of who God is. Not a different God, but a fuller revelation of who he is. So I said, God, who do you want to reveal yourself to me as in this time? He said, I want to reveal myself as the voice in you. That when I speak, it really is him speaking. And he wants to reveal himself to me as the light in the darkness. That when I see darkness, he's the light. And he wants to reveal himself as the glory 
revealed. And he wants to reveal himself as the anchor in the storm. And that was just a personal thing for me because, man, our world is being rocked right now back home. And I look at pictures and videos, and I'm just raw. Just, it's there. I, we love the city that we moved to already. And seeing it destroyed, is, it's really hard. And so he said, I'm going to be the anchor in the storm. So I held on to that. I'm grateful for that. And then the last thing I said, asked him, God, in what area of my life can I rely on the Holy Spirit more and not just try to prove myself and be good and be the best, but to actually join with Holy Spirit? What, how can I do that more? And he said, in my daily disciplines, that was not a soft, fuzzy answer, but yeah, doing that with Holy Spirit sounds fun, so that's good. And to partner with him in demonstration of the goodness of the Lord. And then I saw praying for the sick, revealing more of his signs and wonders. That's how he wants me to partner with Holy Spirit more. And then in writing. That's something I've kind of left to the side for uh, this season of our life. It's been a crazy season. But as I see us settling in, I know that he's calling me back to writing more. And so that's what he responded with. So... For you, your answers will be different, obviously. But the questions are the same. And so what I want to invite you to is just to pick one. Pick one question. And if you know the answer, go to the next one. I would encourage you to start with, what has God spoken to me? And it could be subtle. It could be soft. It could be this little inkling that you have to start a business. Or it could be this little desire you had when you were a kid to be a doctor, whatever it is, it stayed the test of time. It stayed through all of the seasons of your life. Some of it might be pushed down. It might be underneath the surface, and it might, not need, it might need to be brought out and shined and dusted off. But there are things that God has spoken to you. Because he just is always speaking. We just have to recognize it, right? Or it could be, how has that been tested? How are you asking me to obey God? What is the fulfillment of what you spoke? Because I think that seeing the end result helps us through the journey to know the Father even more. Where if I think, I'm going to be a singer so I can be famous, my eyes are off of the Father, right? They're back on me and what I want to be seen as. Where if I can keep my eyes fixed on him, it doesn't matter the number. But it, I can keep my eyes fixed on him to reform the church. I can, I can back that up. Who, does he, who do you want to reveal yourself as to me? And in what area of my life can I rely on the Holy Spirit more? So we're actually going to do that. I know maybe at church you're used to like bowing your head and leaving. Some of you maybe. But I really want you to hear God's voice today. And I'm just like the little prompt to get you to do that. So we have some music that's going to play. And I'm just going to give you five minutes. If you want to stay longer, that's great. And then I want to pray for anyone that wants to receive prayer. And if there's anyone that's on the ministry team here at Epicenter Church, I want to invite them after this time to come forward. I'll I'll explain what we're going to do. Just because... The Father is so worth it. He really is. He's worth everything. So just pick one of these questions to start with, and I'm going to pray. And if you want, you can write it out. For me, it helps me if I type what I hear the Lord saying, so I can get it out faster than handwriting. But whatever works for you, or if he shows you a picture, or if you remember something that you said to someone before, grab a hold of that, okay? So Jesus, I thank you for your sacrifice. I thank you that you saw us and counted us worthy of going to the cross. I am so grateful that you, out of love, did what your Father was asking you to do. Thank you. And I thank you that you allowed Holy Spirit to come to lead us into all truth. And we want to live our lives based on truth. 
We're tired of living our lives on deception, of misunderstanding, of miscommunication, of not knowing you. God, we want to know you. We want to live in your truth, God. So right now I ask that your voice would come and that you would reveal what you're saying in response to these questions for each person here, that you can reveal your goodness to even more people. So we just open up our heart to hear from you right now. Thank you, God. So just take some time to receive from him right now. Father, we thank you for your voice. We thank you for who you are and that it's normal to expect that you talk, that you're not something made out of wood. You're not something that's carved out of stone that has no voice, but you are a living, breathing, active, involved God. Wow. I pray that you would help us to know you more. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you would seal everything that you've revealed and continue to unpack your voice and unpack how you've responded so that we can stay with our eyes fixed on the Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Before we go into ministry time, Pastor Steve just wants to close us out here. Thanks, Micah. Uh, just real quick, we want to bless Micah as she heads from us back home. And uh, so we're not going to uh, take a long time with this, but at the door, there's Jerry has uh, an offering bag. And if you just want to bless Micah and Ben as they move forward into this new season of their life. How many of you were blessed by what you heard today? <laughs> Felt like it was very apropos. That's a French word meaning great. <laughs> So just want to encourage you to give as you, as you leave and to bless uh, Micah and, uh, and Ben. And uh, if you need to go, we release you to do that. But also want to just encourage you, if you're not in a hurry, to get somewhere specifically. A lot of times God gives us opportunity to get more. And so this morning as we minister and as we pray with you and, and uh, just see what God has in this ministry time, that's an opportunity for us to to really move into another place. So I just want to encourage you with that. If you need to go, we bless you. And if uh, if you can stay and get ministry, we would encourage you to do that as well. So, Micah. 
All right, so we just love to um, bring the voice of God into your life in a personal way. So if um, you're part of the ministry team here, if you want to come forward, um, we're just going to spend some time and bring the voice of God into your life and whatever you're asking for. If it's from one of these questions um, that were up there, it's fine. Um, If it's, I don't know what God's saying, or I know God's saying this, I know I'm being tested, how do I obey? Whatever it is, or if there's anything else that you want to receive prayer for, um, that's what we'd love to do. So I just want to bless you and pray for you, and if you want to come forward, we'd love to just spend some time with you. So Father, I thank you again for your voice, and I pray, Lord, that as we go into this week, if there's anything that gets challenged by the enemy, I pray that you would help us to know how to respond and help us to know how to stay true to you and to keep our eyes fixed on you because you are the prize. You are the reward, Father. And we thank you that you allow us to know you and we don't want to miss any aspect of knowing you in this life right now. So I just bless each person here to hear your voice clearly and to know what you're saying. In Jesus' name, amen. So feel free to come forward. Have a great week.